I'll give you an example. This is what you said. We don't need a North Korean-style political system in Bristol. Democracy across the world is under threat, and we have a chance to stand up against this here in Bristol right now. I mean, comparing this to North Korea is surely exceptionally hyperbolic, Nicola, isn't it? No, I don't think so. I think you've been to North Korea. No, I haven't. But I have read okay. some books about it. Okay. Okay. I think yeah. you know. When's the last time people in Bristol were sort of taken off and just shot? I'm Neil Maggs, and this is Bristol Unpacked, speaking to fascinating Bristolians on topics where others may fear to tread. Brought to you by the city's community-owned media, The Bristol Cable. You might have heard that there's a referendum on about the future of Bristol's politics, but you also might not, because the issue hasn't had a huge amount of cut-through. Fear not, The Cable is here to have a crack at unpacking it for you. In 2012, Bristol was the only city in the UK to vote to change its local political system. On a small turnout, the city voted to change to a system that gave more decisive power to a mayor. But this hasn't worked out so smoothly. Now opposition councillors from the Greens, the Lib Dems, the Tories got together and secured a referendum for the city to decide how the city's politics will be run. To scrap the system of mayor in favour of a committee system that distributes power more among councillors. But this isn't a clear-cut thing along party political lines necessarily. There are divisions in the parties over what to do and diverse groups of people across the city who have different ideas. A big question does remain though. Does anybody actually care? Well, it does matter for Bristol and communities how power is wielded and how the big bucks are spent. So we're here to try and make it hopefully interesting, hopefully entertaining, as we come up to the referendum, which takes place on the 5th of May. In this episode, we talk to a former Labour councillor and an MP candidate for Kingswood in the general election in 2019, Nicola Bowden-Jones. She will be putting forward her view that we need to vote against the mayoral system and the introduction of the committee system. She's a controversial character who had quite a fraught relationship with uh, Mayor Marvin Rees and came out quite strongly when she stood down as a councillor fairly recently. I just want to kind of just give a little bit of context about about you sort of in brief um, before we kind of uh, kick off that you were a, a Labour councillor for Froome Vale, um, but you, you you refused to or you stood down uh, in May, May 2021. Um, just give a little bit of a sort of reasoning behind that. There was, was there quite a, a bit of a fallout with um, with the mayor and the cabinet over council house uh, rent freezes, is that right? That was a that was a really big issue, and it showed some real ugly traits within the party. But I'd already made the decision before that uh, not to stand again, and I I did so because I felt really powerless, and I felt that as a councillor, you know, everything I tried to do was really tricky, even though it was my sort of party that had the majority in the council chamber. Most decisions were made by the mayor. Um, and so that was a really difficult uh, dynamic to, to sit through, really. So I, I felt I couldn't really represent 
the people of Froomevale as I wanted to. Okay, and you weren't the only case. So there's been a, a, a few others, including um, which was quite a a public um, resignation of Ava Mouth Cankster, Joe Sargent, um, who I think she said that the, the administration focused on power for power's sake and beset with a culture of fear and bullying. You kind of hinted at that yourself as well. Um, what, what, what do you mean by, by bullying? Well, bullying takes lots of different forms and different people have more resilience uh, to it or not. But, you know, there was a lot of people being dismissed, people not being listened to, um, people being accused of things that they haven't done, uh, being sidelined. I mean, Jo had a particularly difficult job. She was the chair of the... uh, Labour group and you know often she was sidelined people didn't listen to her decisions were made over her head and that's a really difficult position to be in um so that's a sort of form of bullying um other people were accused of things they hadn't done they were not listened to um and you know decisions were made and I don't know where they were made but we were just told to go along and agree with them had this changed in time, Nicola? Had had you seen this evolve, or was this something that you uh, experienced early on? I, th- I think it started at the beginning, and I suspect you know um, because the sort of planning to become the mayor doesn't happen on the day that you win the election. There's a year long build up to it, and certainly, you know, this wasn't Marvin's first attempt at uh, taking on the role. So he first went, I think it was uh, 2012. So, you know, there would have been a lot of thought, I'm guessing, on his behalf about how he ran um, his office and how he worked with people and who he wanted in different roles. Um, so, does, I mean, does that answer your question? Yeah, sure. And so, and you've come out, um, you're one of the, I think, quite strong voices um, wanting the the position of mayor, to, to be removed and to be replaced in in the city, um, is that is that always been your position, um, or or, ha- or has your position evolved through time? My my position's changed over time. You know, I did everything I could in 2016 to support the election of the mayor. I worked really really hard, and I don't think anybody would disagree. And I, I felt very strongly that we were part of a team, uh, you know, the Labour the Labour team. And there was so much goodwill in the city for Labour to get in and do amazing things. And I think that carried us, really. Um, and that was really apparent. And I think a lot of people would say that was their experience as well of the 2016 election. But things changed. And, you know, at the beginning, I started to think, Maybe this is about people not having experience, not having done this before, and that they were learning. But actually, I think it was quite contrived, and I think it was a decision that was made that we weren't going to work as a team. I mean, there was no, you know, you don't know who's going to get elected to some extent. There are safe seats in the city that are safe Labour seats. So you can assume those people will get in. But, I, you know, I sat in a marginal seat, so it was anyone's guess whether I got elected or not. So it's very difficult to sort of say who is in your team. And I guess anybody who is in a leadership position would want to do some team building. And there was absolutely no evidence that that was the case. I mean, my my first ever meeting, I drove back from my holiday 
um, from Italy to attend um, the Labour group meeting. And it was chaotic, really disorganised. And I just got a sense that this person in charge here doesn't want to build a team. And you aren't somebody that was necessarily... Um, on the fringes of the Labour Party and that was inexperienced. You, you, you've been a member for how long? Uh, I've been a member for a long time. And, you know, before I stood in Froomevale, I was the secretary of the Labour, uh, the Bristol Labour Party. And um, I'd also been a secretary of the uh, Bristol East uh, constituency Labour Party. So, you know, and I you'd also know stood as a mayoral, you also stood as an MP for Kingswood. Uh, I stood as an MP candidate. I would have liked to have been the MP, but that didn't happen. But you, so, so kind of the point being is you, you are somebody who's quite embedded um, in the Labour Party and, and Labour Party traditions. You know, you, obviously your your um, your partner, your husband, Paul, Paul Smith, also had quite a leading um, cabinet role for housing. Um, he, he's also kind of left. Do you, you mean the, the kind of the, the kind of pushback is that this is a, this is a personal thing this i think even this is a direct quote i think from um from mayor marvin reese um i think to, to yourself there but, you know i will not engage with personal vendettas uh, is it a personal vendetta is what a personal vendetta um you coming out you know you standing down being critical um talking to the media when you stood down um over the kind of uh, uh, when you left as a council and you now coming forward you know being quite prominent in the anti merrill campaign is it a personal vendetta against Marvin Rees? No, absolutely not. And I really, you know, I I don't like that term at all, personal vendetta. I mean, it sounds really sort of, you know, like the mafia in Italy or something like that. I'm I'm a woman who stood in politics because I wanted to get things done. I'm not really interested in arguing with people in my own party. I, you know, Marvin has a lot of power as the mayor of Bristol. And to not want to listen to people isn't very helpful. And I think, you know, that's another indicator of why the role isn't a very good one. It's not about Marvin. It's not about George. It's about the role of a mayor in the city of Bristol. So I think to dismiss people, I mean, that's another form of bullying, isn't it? When you don't listen to what people are saying and you dismiss them and you put them down and you make, you know, their dis their views seem not relevant or, or, or valid. Just because I don't agree with someone doesn't mean I hate them, I dislike them. It just means I have a different view. And, you know, for people to have differences is quite healthy. Has that been an issue um, for you as a, as a councillor, um, as well as some others? We hear a lot of stuff uh, around party political um, conflict, but we obviously hear slightly less about internal um, Labour machinations until people, you know, resign or stand down like yourself. Um, there is a lot of talk of diversity and a lot of talk of representation in the city. Um, somebody said to me, but there isn't much diversity of opinion. Has that been your experience um, with the mayoral team in the city? Absolutely. Um, I mean, you know, who, whose diversity is the diversity coming from? I'm not sure everybody would agree with you. Um, and I think some people are frightened to talk out and speak about that. Um, 
you know, I once said uh, to Marvin that I felt bullied by him. And uh, I suspect a reasonable person would have said, I'm really sorry to hear that, Nicola. How, how can we do things differently? But he actually just said, you're racist. It's racist for a white woman to uh, call uh, someone of, of, of mixed race, different race, um, a bully. And I don't think I don't see that. And I think it would have been really helpful if we'd been able to have that conversation. But I think we his feeling his feeling is 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 probably a, um, I know he said it himself, hasn't it? That one of the uh, that, that the whole kind of and I asked him directly when I interviewed him about are oh, you a bully? Uh, the direct question, and his kind of pushback was that that actually, you know, people in in the party and outside the party that have suggested that are. Um, either just not robust enough and a bit sensitive, or they are kind of uh, playing up to the uppity black man stereotype. And, and as you say, there is a bit of uh, racism, however you know whether that's conscious or unconscious at, at play there. On on whose behalf? Well, on, on people that are saying he's a bully. Well, I don't know, but you know, to be ignored, to be shouted at, to be frightened of how someone's going to talk to you, I think are indicative of, of, of people that are bullies. But I think, you know, I don't think it's helpful to just sort of dwell on that. We're talking about whether uh, the role of a mayor in the city of Bristol is a helpful one or not. And I don't think it is. You've also said that the, uh, I, I've read your, I think it was originally on your Facebook post, wasn't it? It was then published in Bristol 24-7. You've talked about the mayoral system being, um, being sexist and it being a, a feminist issue. Just expand on that for me. Yeah, I mean, it is massively, you know, when, when you think about here I am, a woman, and I've said to a man, uh, I find the way you talk to me <laughs> intimidating, and that man's not willing to take on board what I've said. So there's an issue uh, there. I mean, if you if you look at clips from the can- in the council chamber, it's very much centred around how men communicate with each other. Uh, you know, women can sometimes be quite quiet. Um, we're sort of peacekeepers we work in a very different way and I don't think any of that has been thought about in terms of helping us participate in um, a political uh, system um you know is that not quite a generalization Nicola uh, I don't about think so. women and dividing kind of people into sort of two camps in in, in that way well, I've talked to a lot of women about, you know, we know that women struggle to go into politics. Um, and I was one of the people that got onto the uh, Joe Cox Women in Leadership scheme, the very first one. Um, and it talked about lots of reasons why women don't um, take on roles in public life. Um, you know, a lot of, if you look if you look at the uh, rules uh, of the Labour Party and, and how meetings are conducted, you can, you know, the Labour Party was set up a very long time ago and it was mostly men at the time. And you can just think about, you know, these men who were angry and uh, they all wanted their point to be heard and, you know, they weren't used to being in professional environments and someone had to go in and mediate. And there are stories about where arguments between men have got so hot that they've ended up punching each other. So, you know, a lot of that sort of legacy... So the mayoral role is, is a... Is a- it's a kind of yeah it's a top-down leadership thing where someone with a bit more I don't know not necessarily testosterone but kind of male uh male traits of of control and and dominance um it it kind of fits that uh, that kind of niche 
more than than somebody that would want to work would you would you say that women would work in a more um collaborative collegiate way. collaborative way yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and even you know, people like nadine norris and pretty patel yeah they're, I know, women, aren't they? they're women aren't they yeah they are women they are women they're women that have managed to you know are they honorary men i don't know but you know, it's not really a role model that most women are aspiring to be, is it? That's kind of what I mean, though. If you, I mean, there, there, there are different types of women as there are different types of men, aren't there? Yeah, yeah, there are. You know, on, on a kind of spectrum. And Labour Party, I suppose, I mean, the Labour Party's there's never had a female leader, is it? We've obviously no, had a shame, female. Really. Yeah, we've obviously had Margaret Thatcher, who, who one could argue um, displayed... You know, I'm doing speech marks now, kind of those male traits. So, it's, so I, I'm not sure it's always true. But, you know, Margaret Thatcher, for all she stood up for women, she put lots of policies in place that kept women in the home. Uh, you know, you have to look at those things as well. Um, so it's not really helpful to, to think of Margaret Thatcher as a, as a great leader. But, you know, you've got Theresa May, and Theresa May's really hard to sort of criticise from a feminist perspective because she puts her own money into supporting women in the pol- political system. And her style of leadership was quite different as well. And she was really attacked by um, her own party and given quite a hard time. Had there been a female uh, mayor uh, and it was going okay and it was more collegiate and it was more collaborative and people were, you know, uh, you know with those cross-party planning and, and and positive conversations would you still be standing would you so would you still be wanting to get rid of the role i don't know it's a very difficult thing to say you know one of the things i said in in my speech was that sometimes women get put into positions to block men so you have to look at you know what is the this woman's role and how does this woman bring women's issues to the forefront um that's another thing you know you've got to value um I mean, sometimes women can be just as challenging and and uh, blocking other women from coming through. So, well, say there was a, say there was a woman that didn't do that. That she was, you know, every, if you could think of the ideal uh, woman mayor that did everything that you know that that you felt was right, w- would you still want to get rid of the model itself? Yeah, I think so. I think the um, yeah, I I think it's not good to have. Uh, too much power in in the hands of one person yeah i i, I would be in favor of getting rid of it and it, you know the fact that i don't want a mayor in bristol's got absolutely nothing to do with the personal stuff and but that is it's difficult how do you separate the person from the politics you know we could spend a session talking about that it, it's really difficult yeah I'm, and we're interviewing you know other people in these in these interviews that um that I think that's a, that's a, 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 also a pertinent question too is where is the line with this between the personal uh, leadership style of, of not just Marvin Rees but also of George Ferguson that they don't like and and where is the actual political um, political system itself and where is that line between the two you you, you think that the mayoral system itself is fundamentally anti democratic obviously the uh, one of the one of the pushbacks to that by the the mayoral team is that what what we're doing here is we're denying a vote for the general public once every four years that can remove or put in place a mayor. So how can removing a vote be democratic? I think it's about the fact that 
uh, you know, the mayor can just make all the decisions for everybody. Um, so, you know, in some sort of places, in some wards where they're not likely to get um, ever get a mayor, mayoral candidate, those councillors aren't getting any input. So that's why it's undemocratic. I don't think people necessarily understand when they vote uh, for a mayor what the implications are behind that. Do you think some of the criticism is, is criticism has been a bit of, of the the sort of centralisation of power has been a bit hyperbolic? Um, in what way? Well, I'll give you an example. This is what you said. We don't need a North Korean style political system in Bristol. Democracy across the world is under threat and we have a chance to stand up against this here in Bristol right now. I mean, comparing this to North Korea is surely exceptionally hyperbolic, Nicola, isn't it? No, I don't think so. I think You've been to North Korea? No, I haven't. But I have read okay. some books you are about aware it. Of the situ- okay. Okay. I think yeah. you know When's the last time people-, people in Bristol were sort of taken off and just shot uh for no reason for opposing the regime come on this is hyperbolic isn't it yeah it is how does that help and inform uh, uh you know a, a grown-up political discussion and debate if you're comparing the mayor of bristol to you know kim jun yong it does it's not doing it's not it's, surely it's not doing the 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 side of the debate any credit and it's not that's not helping is it? it's easy to push back against that and just say come on that's a silly comparison but why is it? Um, you know, why is it a silly comparison? Because you know, okay, we li- we live in different places, but at, but we're used to different things. You can't just make you know say it, it's silly. It, it's a way of getting people to think about what's going on here in Bristol to take an interest and make their own opinions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, there's a, they've got a population of 22 million, and, and and you know, up to three million people have just died from either starvation, hunger-related illnesses, or 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 being killed. I mean, we, we, you know, we're talking about a Bristol mayor here. He may just have a bit of a disagreement with some councillors over certain issues, aren't we? But you know, we've got people in Bristol that are dying because they haven't got anywhere to live. We've got you know, children in unsuitable accommodation. Uh, there's lots of things in Bristol that are going on that we don't necessarily talk to. Of course, of course, it's not to that extent. But it's, um, so it's not to that you accept it's not to that extent. Of course, it's not to that extent. So why did you use the comparison then? Well, I think it's helpful, really, to, to talk about you know. Did you oversteer on purpose? Did you over, to, to raise to get a, to raise awareness of this? Did you deliberately? Were you aware when you said you know North Korea that it would have been seen as an over exaggeration? Uh, yeah, yeah, I did. Okay, so why did you do it? Perhaps you can't use uh, humour in, in politics. Ah, uh, okay, all right. So it was a tongue-in-cheek thing. It's a joke. Yeah. This is the advert bit. Again, if you want to fast-forward, please do so. Bristol Cable, we are in need of more members. We want to sustain our public model of ownership and we want to use it to talk about interesting things in the city, controversial things, challenging topics. That's online, this podcast, in the newspaper, and events that we do all across the board. So please check out the website, and if you want to chuck some money in and become a member of the Bristol Cable, that would be brilliant. Back to the chat. Okay, to say North Korea isn't very nice, but there were no discussions uh, about how that cabinet was going to change. 
And, you know, people in the cabinet only found out they weren't in the cabinet because it was in the newspaper. So... This is under Marvin Rees, yeah? Yeah, I don't know how George did things, but certainly, you know, when I was involved, that's how decisions were made and that's how people found out about it. Do you feel, do you, would you be somebody that, um, I mean, a good example now is obviously there is a, you know, level pegging, isn't it, between the Green Party and the Labour Party with the amount of councillors that, that they have. Would you be somebody that um, in that system would expect there to be more cross-party governance and leadership? Have you been surprised that there hasn't been after the last election? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's he- healthy. Um, you know, when I've been on committees and we've had people with, different views it's been really helpful to listen to them and you have to remember that people bring lots of different skills to the table and you know we often forget that and see someone by their political colors but actually we have to think about what does this person bring to the table why are they here what are their interests what motivates them so there's an awful lot that is being taken for granted. But certainly I enjoyed working with people that had experience of being an accountant, for example, outside of um, the council. So people come in with different skills, regardless yeah. of party that yeah. can contribute. I think that I think there was the, it was lack, I couldn't trust them. I think that was the line. But they showed they couldn't be trusted. Who showed they couldn't be trusted? The councillors, that was what Mayor Marvin Rees said, they couldn't be trusted. That's why he had to go back to a, a, a single party um, committee. But isn't that about leadership, building a team of people that you can trust? In what ways can't you trust people? I, I mean, I don't know. One of the criticisms of the mayoral model is the one city plan and the sort of one city governance, uh, which we've spoken about a lot in this in these interviews uh, in this series, Bristol Unpacked before. Um, and and some people see that the mayoral model itself and the one city being the embodiment of that gives business leaders kind of carte blanche. What you've said here is business leaders love having a mayor. They know they can get their own way by cozying up to him. Council officers also know that the mayor has ultimate power, so will ignore other voices and back the mayor to the hill. Just then on the business thing, uh, have you seen that firsthand then that business leaders have sort of greater access to power and decision-making under the mayoral model? Uh, yeah, well, a lot of that gets done behind closed doors, does, doesn't it? Um, and so, is you know, there is a lack of transparency about um, how those decisions are made. But if you talk to people that are involved, other councillors, they will, you know, say they're concerned about that. I mean, it was in the press last week about Creative Youth Network uh, being turned down to get uh, funding by the Labour administration. And, you know, that's a charity that supports young people in the city. And I can't think of anything worse. Why do you think it was? Well, you could say that, you know, the previous chief exec of that organisation stood against Marvin in the um, mayoral election recently. That could have been a reason. But, um, you know, one of the arguments that we've been hearing about why we need a mayor is that they need to work well with Weka. And here we have a prime example of that where it didn't happen. And it was the mayor of Bristol who chose those relationships not to work. But, you know, that decision was made very public. And that's a message to people about why they need to support the mayoral uh, system in Bristol. So, a message, and, and you do touch on this as well, uh, and others have that this this feeling that if you 
um, are on board and you're supportive of the mayor, and I think people may well have said this about George as well, of the current mayor, then you are, you know, quite possibly going to be more favoured when it comes to maybe funding or or contracts or, uh, you know, elements of work. Uh, You think that's true? Yeah. I mean, you look at Creative Youth Network, there's a whole host of evidence about why the city needs that organisation and why it needs to be funded appropriately. And, and, and to just make a decision that puts that at risk, it doesn't seem to stack up. Like, you know, I can't Can you give see... me some examples of organisations that have been favoured? I don't really want to say that. But if you, if you look at, you know, um, the Bristol Ideas, uh, they're running a, a, an article at the moment about, um, about the, the dilemma of do we have a mayor or not. And look at some of the organisations there that, that people... Um, work for where they get funding from the council and they're coming out in support of the position of having a mayor. Who who would they be? Well, you you can look it up. I'm sure you can. No, but for for people listening, so they can know who. who, who, who give me some examples. I mean, I I think this. Yeah, I think obviously, if if one makes the the accusation or the the kind of levies at the mayor that people are. Um, you know, getting favours or sort of golden handshakes. It is useful to know who they are. Oh, yeah, so so really what the inference is then that, that if I got this right, that because Great Views Network have, did not get the the funding through WACA, which was blocked by um, by Bristol City Council, that kind of almost sends a very subtle message. If you if you go against me, as Sandy Hall Rhythms is named the previous CEO of Great Views Network, then funding will not find you. I think that sends a ripple effect and a message across the city. I think so. I think it's a very clear message. Okay. Um, let's just flip the switch a bit. Uh, we've talked about what you feel is not great about the mayoral model. Um, what do you think is great about the committee system? It was voted out in 2012 uh, due to a perceived uh, or, or possibly real sense of sort of stagnation that the thing that was holding the city back. Um, has it really been an example of you know, cross-party, you know, effective collaboration? Um, the mayoral system or committee the committee, system? The committee system. We just want to talk about what, what people, if people are voting to, to get rid of something, we, we also want to know what we're, we're getting in its place. And the committee system was voted out in 2012 for, for, for a reason. Bristol was offered an opportunity to try something new, and I don't see that there's anything wrong in, in doing so. Um, I think we've had committee systems before and, and people are making assumptions that nothing ever got done under them, but, but you know, a lot did get done under the previous committee systems. And, yeah, I think it does give um, people an opportunity to sit and discuss, uh, build relationships, try and find some, you know, positive solutions to some of the struggles in Bristol. Um, and especially if you're going to have um, councillors that are in for a set period of time, four years. It gives people the opportunity to build relationships. You know, I know everybody gets the chance to vote for the mayor in the city, but the mayor can't possibly know all the nuances uh, about the needs of all the areas in Bristol. And having councillors who are on the ground, who are talking to people all the time, is a really helpful thing. And you you can bring that to the table are councillors always doing that though, Nicola? You've got yeah, councillors. So. You've got councillors in so. Bristol that have been councillors for you know 
over sort of 15, 15 years that have become careerist counsellors. And, you know, I, my background's in community development. And I can assure you when you go and talk to some local residents, they don't always feel that the counsellors are actually talking on their behalf. Often they're talking on their own behalf. You can always say that about people, but my, you know, my experience has been that mostly councillors work really hard and they do um, represent the people they're due to elect. And if you don't think your councillor's doing that, then don't don't re-elect them next time the election comes around. But people, the general public, weren't storming City Hall for this referendum, were they? This is a this is a a referendum that's been brought by politicians because politicians are are pissed off that they're not having a, a say and having a voice. This is an argument between two wings of the political establishment in Bristol, isn't it? Is it? Do you not I mean, think? I, I don't think that uh, not, I don't think that an ordinary person on the street would be able to to bring this uh, to the table. I think it had to be done by um, councillors. So that's not really a, a fair point. A discussion is so it? this is do you, do you genuinely feel this is a real this is a selfless altruistic kind of act uh that councillors are doing this for their communities because their communities are not getting a say yeah i think so you don't feel the liberal democrats have done this because you know that this is that they know they're never going to get a mayor so this is their one way of trying to wrestle back some control no i don't think so and no i don't think so i mean that's that's a really weak argument somebody had to to stop the process off and it doesn't end, you know, people can go and vote for um, whether they want this process or not. And there's a lot of talk about we don't want committees, they don't work. But this is a starting point. And, you know, if you if you have a committee system, you can develop it so that it is more inclusive um, in the future. It, it's not a model that has to stay the same. It's a model. Can you that not can do that developed. with the mayoral model though as well? Can you not can not I mean that's that's the line that's being pushed out that actually, you know, maybe a bit like Brexit really, isn't it? That you know, it's not just a case of in or out with this, is that we can, you know, we can we can create some reforms to make the mayoral model a little bit more um c- c- collaborative, can't we? Having a person, one person in charge tends to sort of encourage a certain type of person into the role. Um, and it's very difficult then to have collaboration across the city when you've got somebody who wants to be in charge. Can we not put some checks and balances into that system, though? Have we got checks and balances in the system? No, can we not put some checks and balances into the system? I mean, how do we do that? I don't know. Can we not vote that through in in, in the council chamber? Can we not have a... Uh, a discussion about how, how how that could look, you know, rather than just completely completely opting out. How many councillors have you got? And at the moment, the the mayor can override the decision. So, can you ever really be sure that a mayor's going to want to put in checks and balances so that they might highlight the things that he's doing? It's not. Well, maybe that's what needs to be in in a manifesto. That maybe if there is another mayoral, if this does go in the direction of people, want, the public want to stay in, in the in, for for a mayoral system. Maybe the public will vote for somebody that's more. Um, there is more collegiate. I mean, th- there was just a vote, wasn't there? And there were two candidates that wanted to get rid of the mayoral model and. Both of them, um, you know, were resoundingly beaten, the Tory and the Liberal Democrat candidates. So hasn't as the, as the, as the public already spoken? I think it's a really difficult position to put somebody in, to put somebody into a position where, you know, they, they have got power and then they're going to give it up. How many people have really offered to give up 
power. I mean, the only person I can really think of who's ever done that is Tony Benn. And everybody thought he was bonkers. So how do you get, you know, how do you present that as an argument and get people to trust and believe that you will actually give up your power? I think it's a really big ask and I'm not sure anyone's able to do it. Because you feel the type of person that would even put themselves forward for that position is already somebody that is sort of thirsting for for power or control a bit, like anyway, otherwise you wouldn't even put yourself forward. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Is there a danger of uh, is there a danger of things stagnating again though? That discussions just going around in circles, people disagreeing with each other, and and in a, in an odd, funny kind of way, if you removed the mayor, which is kind of the only thing that's uniting people in opposition to him a little bit at the moment, if you remove him, is there is there a, is there a danger that those political guns are going to be pointed against each other? You know, the Lib Dems to the Greens to the Tories to Labour, and we'll just be in this constant state of deadlock. No, because one of the uh, you know, there's always a chair of the committee, isn't there? And you you know, look at the things that committee systems have done before in Bristol. Um, Give me some examples. Well, the, you know, there were 500 council home, homes that were built under the uh, committee system. Uh, you know. Under the committee system, we had corporations set up that ran electric and gas infrastructures, trams, buses, schools. Um, and I think UE was set up as well under the committee system. So it's a myth. It's a myth then for you. This, this, there's this myth that nothing happened in Bristol until the mayoral system came along. Yeah, yeah. Would you accept it? Has would you accept Bristol is on the map more than it ever has been? Um, I don't know if it ha- if it is on the map now more than it has been. You know, we read stories that Bristol is a nice place to be. A lot of people come to Bristol because the housing is cheaper than it is in London, and I think that's always been the case. So people are looking for alternative p- places to live. Um, you know, and 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 that in itself raises the awareness of Bristol. Does not to do with the mayor. Well, I don't know. He's on there, you know he's, I think he did 60 interviews after the Colson statue came down with like the world's kind of media. And so, so clearly, you know, talking about Bristol on, you know, in the, in the, um, you know, Washington Post, New York Times, you know, the Channel 4 or Sky, you know, would, would, would there be a sort of leader of the council that would be doing that? Do you think? Well, it depends how much money they've got to spend on their publicity team. Okay, elaborate on that. You know, there's a lot of conversations go on about um, about that as well. Is it worth the money? So is it that we have a mayor or is it that the mayor has access to uh, promoting himself? Uh, okay, so you think this is more about his personal profile than, the, than the, the representing the city? Well, people don't want to talk about personality, do they? But I don't think you can you not talk about personality. Yeah. So you think that's the case? I, yeah, I do. Okay. So it's more about what it's about him, not about the. Um, would that be the, would the same apply to George a bit? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think so. I don't know how much George spent on himself on uh, all the admin that goes around promoting the mayor of Bristol. Um, but isn't that part of the role, though, Nicola, to do that a little bit to be, you know. Well, you know that you know we get this committee system in. The committee system needs to think about how do we how do we raise the profile of Bristol, um, yeah. you know, in the world, and how much money do we want to invest in that? 
the rhetoric, the language was around, we can now cut through the deadlock and we can bring everybody with us. You've had George, this multimillionaire, merchant venturer, mayor. We've now got a Labour mayor, first mixed race mayor in the whole of Europe. Uh, I'm going to make a change for the people left behind, for my people, black and white, you know, working class people in the city um, through, through, through political leadership and political change. Do you feel that's? Do you feel that hasn't happened? Yeah, is my I don't question. feel that's happened. Yeah, I don't feel that's happened. Yeah, we all come with our own story, and our story shapes how we see poverty, how we see disadvantage, and who we see as being disadvantaged. Um, so no, I don't think it's happened. Final thing is, I just want to talk a bit around like the, the broader sense of politics and power. You know, from the model of committees, which are by definition, more collaborative and a mayor. One of the, one of the kind of uh, criticisms of a committee system is, is there, or, or I think one of the criticisms of Bristol City Council in general, traditionally, was that it was a bit, uh, a bit kind of, a bit myopic, a little bit internal. Every, you know, conversations were taking place in an echo chamber. The collaboration, I think, that the mayoral team would say that happens now is cross-sector it's, it's third sector charities, it's the business community, it's it's the universities, it's colleges, it's schools, it's education, it's community. It's it's not just an internal conversation between councillors. So actually, it's, it is what they would say, one city, it's a broader consensus. But the councillors are just annoyed because they're not as influential as part of that as they feel they should be. How would you respond to I that? I think the issue is about power. And where does the power sit in the city? And where do we want the power to sit? If we've got a chance to distribute power between 70 people in the city, is that not a more inclusive model than having one person make all the decisions? But I think he would say that I'm not just one person. I've set up five different one-city boards, cross-sectors, I just said, across the whole of the city. I have just set up. The city hasn't set it up. He has set it up. That's the difference. But that's politics, isn't it? People have to make decisions. You know, there's always leaders that have to make decisions. Politics is about, uh, you know, it's about power and it's about, you know, be, sometimes you have to, somebody has to make a decision. You can't just sit around talking about no, stuff all day long, can you? Why, why are you assuming that decisions won't get made under the committee system? You'll have, you know, more elected voices around the table. It will still have to get signed off at full council. So... You know, that's a fairer system, I think. Okay. Um, what would you say, just in a kind of nutshell, really, if we wrap up, Nicola, what would you say is the key real um, advantages for you, um, maybe three real key advantages of the of the committee system that, that overrides and trumps the mayoral system? I think system? there's greater transparency. Um, I think the committee system takes into account wider views of the city um, and I think it's really healthy that decisions won't just be made by one person I think that, I think that what the interesting thing is that is the position of the Greens because obviously I think they, they came relatively close and if they got another candidate next time they could they're probably the the main opposition and yet they've taken that quite strong stance um, to do away with it, but I think from the Liberal Democrats' perspective, it's is it could one not accuse them of political power playing as much as Labour? You could, yeah. 
might you know might be their opportunity to get a foot in the door but i don't think it's going to happen i mean i think you know look i think the greens have done really well and i think there's a lot of trust in the city for the green uh the green party um i mean they did tremendous in the last election i was surprised a lot of people were surprised but the the green party is is newer and it's more democratic i think than the labor party so would you go green? Would you go like your like Joe Sargent did? Would you go that way? I might do. I mean, I'm a socialist, Ooh. and you know where okay. where I think uh, socialism is most likely to be effective. That's where I go. Final question then: Are, are you confident uh, that the get rid of the mayor campaign will win? I think it's really difficult to say. It's a bit like betting on the Grand National. Um, it's unpredictable. We just have to wait and see. I, I can't call it. I think it's going to be really, really tight. Do you? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it, it's going to be, yeah, difficult to predict. Thank you, uh, Nicola. Most appreciated. That's okay. Um, giving out your you. time. Talk to me. And uh, were you, are you at, are you going to be out and about campaigning for this, knocking on doors and stuff? Or yeah, I will be. So I may knock on your house. Oh really? Okay, really? Okay, okay. I might see you here then. Many thanks to Nicola Bowden-Jones for giving her view in this week's episode of Bristol Unpacked. And we will be back with another guest and a different perspective on the mayoral referendum. Thanks for listening to Bristol Unpacked. I'm the presenter, Neil Maggs. And a big thanks to Afra Evans, our audio editor, Adam Cantwell-Corn, our executive producer, and Blue Dot for our music.